0: Drumroll please. Welcome everybody. It's the Richard Hughes episode of Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. Well, what can I say about today's guest? He's a member of alt-rock band Keane, who's played some of the biggest venues out there to millions of fans worldwide. They've had numerous number one albums and even John Lewis covered one of their songs for their Christmas ad. But what you might not know is that he's a competitive cyclist with a massive love for the sport. And in doing so, he's completed some extremely demanding rides, which is very impressive, really. He even lived just inside Richmond Park for a while. He grew up in battle, so I'll be testing his knowledge of his aggressive sounding hometown. And the RQG is back, the random question generator, making everybody jump again, delivering another questionable question. So sit back and enjoy this musical crossover episode, perfect for anyone who gets earworms whilst riding their bike. Hello and welcome. Are you ready? Because it's that time again Matt by Richard Hughes has formed an impressive musical career. With his band Keane, he sold over 13 million records worldwide, played the biggest venues on the planet and he can't wait to continue recording and gigging as soon as possible. In his downtime, he's just like the rest of us and loves nothing more than riding his bike. In our interview, we cover everything from taking advice from your heroes, warming up for you too at the new camp, running on the same roads as your cycling heroes and how the bike presented the perfect remedy to a hiatus from live shows. Also, he tells me the tale of when he once invaded an abbey. Hmm, check it out. Well, Richard, thank you very much indeed, first and foremost, for joining me on the pod. How the devil are you? Uh, it's an honor i'm I'm very well thank you yeah yeah very happy to be here. Great. I mean a lot of people might be thinking how on earth did Richard Hughes from Keane uh, end up on a podcast on Matt Stevens Unplugged because uh, yeah. no, it is uh, a bit one here yeah yeah it, it's it, it's, <laughs> it's um well our worlds have kind of collided, haven't they and I think it's worth sort of tackling not that issue because it certainly isn't an issue. it's just a thing isn't it because you know life is just a series of in my eyes just just loads and loads of Venn diagrams and um quite often they kind of collide and the beauty of a Venn diagram is there's that little overlap isn't there and I think that's what's exactly. happened in this particular case now I've always exactly. been yeah not, I've always been a fan of Keane since the well since the early days and um I think it was it must have been 3 4 5 years ago I noticed that you followed me on Twitter and we kind of interacted a few times didn't we and then yeah. messaged. and then we met at the Ruler Classic so Yeah, that's kind of how our worlds have collided. So music and cycling has basically been on a collision course, and here we are. That's, in essence, what's happened, isn't it?
1: 100%, because I think you spent a lot of time in cars driving to events, and I think you Instagrammed something about, you know, what you were listening to, and I spotted that you played a Keen track one time, and, uh, yeah, it was uh, very flattering to sort of hear about our music out and about in the real world.
0: Uh, I can actually remember when that was, I think – It was either the 2018 or the 2019 Tour de France, and I was in a, I was in the the mobile the Eurosport mobile digital hub. Basically, it it was a car. Renault Clio. It was probably. I think I think it was a Renault Espace with a with a couple of phones, a camera, and a Wi-Fi dongle. So therefore, we called it. We christened it the the mobile digital hub. And in the car was podcast Pete. Uh, who did the Eurosport podcast for, with us, and and Sir Bradley of Wiggins, and we were going oh. through, a, and we were going through a drive through Mookie D's, listening to Keenan and singing along. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, that's awesome! So uh, I love it. Oh, that's cool. I mean, so first, I want to get this not question out of the way, but I, I'm I'm fascinated, and I don't think I've actually uh, ever asked you because we've only a- actually met once in real life. How the devil did you start? Did you get into cycling i mean let, let's 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 kick off with that when did you first have this kind of passion or desire to ride your bike
1: yeah i mean i think i've always had a bike as basically as long as i can remember i can one of my earliest memories is my dad in the garage spraying this bike that was my first bike he was he just rattle can sprayed it green um it was awesome it had a back pedal brake i mean what more do you need Um, (laughs) and we had a garden that was sort of on a bit of a slope so big enough to do skids in and crash and uh, that's that's sort of when I yeah I remember learning to ride on the sort of driveway outside and uh, yeah some of my earliest memories are um, very fond memories of of that yeah it was I can still picture the bike. I've no idea what it was because it was just, you know, something he'd got off a, a mate at work or whatever that, that didn't need it anymore. It was, uh, you know, my
0: first bike. That I, I love stories like that, though. I mean, I I do have that down as a little. I mean, generally, these podcasts, as I know you've listened to a few, um, are quite freewheeling, but I do. There, there is a spine. There, there is a slight plan to what to what's a <laughs> foot. But um, that was my first, first question is, you know, your, your first ever bike. And it's lovely that you've still got that really really clear memory of it because i'm i'm the same and I, I think that just shows how important the bike is regardless of you you know ending up bike racing or not fundamentally the, the bike is a massively important thing in our lives i think it's one of the greatest inventions ever
1: oh i totally agree yeah i've got a four-year-old son who's you know riding his you know second bike now because they grow so fast you know and uh, yeah it's uh, it's such a joy that to see the freedom he's got you know the, the way he can take himself round on it, it's it's
0: really special. Um, when you mentioned that your dad rattle can can sprayed uh, the bike, what what colour was it? Yeah, it was this. It was quite a sort of vivid green, like grass green. Okay, okay. Well, um, I've rattle canned one bike before, and it was back in my. we have gone off on a right tangent now. When <laughs> I worked in Watford at Marks and Spencers, I was I was riding my bike back into uh, training, and um, one guy there. Asked me to repair his bike. This isn't about 1991, and I, um, I said okay. And I was a really, really bad mechanic. Um, <laughs> and, and but I said I can respray it if you want. And I got a can of Hammerite. Um, Why would you spray. say that? Why would I you volunteer know. that? I don't know. I think I panicked because he said he'd give me <laughs> because he said he'd give me a tenner, and I thought, whoa, here we go, um, wow. actual money. So I took the tenner, picked up his bike and took it home, sprayed it silver and, and put oil on the chain. Actually, at half the chain ended up silver as well, which I couldn't remove. So, so <laughs> but I, I gave, took him the bike back and um, a couple of days later saw him at work and he had a bandage on around his arm. No. Yeah. No, no, no. And um, he said, um, he said, Matt, I was riding like the wind. He said, I remember this guy. He was, uh, it's such a, <laughs> he said, I was riding like the wind and he said, and then the front wheel, it is leaving the bicycle. <laughs> Down one High Street. That I forgot to do the bloody quick oh, release God. up, and he didn't know. And the front wheel came out, and he came grinding. To, uh, he, he fell off and got quite, quite, quite hurt. Uh, so anyway, that that was that. Um, so I'm still kind of scarred by the last. That's the only time I've sprayed a bicycle and um, in injuring <laughs> a work colleague. Uh, Forget. I don't right? think it was the spraying that did the damage, Matt. I think no, it wasn't. was your
1: mechanic. Uh, well, I it's... say skills, but you know.
0: <laughs> no, um, very very strange. But but then. Of course, you you know you you remember uh, riding very very early on. How did it kind of develop? Because you're still really a really keen cyclist now, and and obviously the fact that you when our world ended up colliding shows that you still got a big passion for the sport. And, and turning Definitely. up at Ruler Classic is clearly it's not just a passing kind of fad. You clearly really do like it.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I so. My parents lived, uh, I grew up in Battle down in East Sussex and uh, they, in the countryside basically. So behind their house was a big forestry commission wood and I got, you know, an, one of the early mountain bikes and uh, used to ride around in the woods behind there. And then I got a bit more into that. And um, I mean, before that I'd had a BMX, had a rally burner. Oh, yeah. um, and that, you know, I just you know wore the tires out on that and uh yeah so i and then i did when i was at school i did this duke of edinburgh's award and i ended up you had to learn a skill and i i wanted to learn how to build a bike so i went and worked in Wildside cycles in tunbridge wells on okay. saturday afternoons okay. like for nothing right um and basically they just sort of shoved me in the basement with um this Scottish mechanic who used to listen to a lot of, uh, like gun and, uh, quite hard <laughs> rock music uh, okay. for me at the time. And, um, yeah. I'd, and I learned, you know, how to look after bikes basically. And all I was doing really was getting them, you know, the ones they sold on the, on a Saturday, they would sell obviously quite a lot of bikes on a Saturday and I was just getting them ready. And the owner of Richard was, um, he was a lovely man, um, who, but he loved having all the valves lined up with the logos and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I learned quite early on to, to do it properly. Yeah. And just, you know, set up straighten the bars and make sure everything worked and, you know, send it upstairs. Yeah. So a, a lot of, um, a lot of my youth revolved around bikes, basically. I wasn't too good at all the team sports and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I used to, but I used to like sort of disappearing off on my bike and just, you know, exploring
0: the, uh, know the countryside a bit and did you ever i mean again that's something i've never asked you did you ever compete or was it just purely for the for the thrill of just riding your bike in the independence and the freedom it gives you or did you how did you get into being interested in the competitive side of like bike racing for example
1: yeah i i did a couple of very sort of local mountain bike races and soon realized that i was neither fast nor fit nor competitive right. so uh, I didn't really mind that I didn't do very well which I guess is a good way to go into racing um but yeah I was never destined for for glory so uh yeah I just I just liked And honestly my friend Tim who I'm in in the band with um he used to live up the other end of town so uh, you know a lot of the using the bike was was riding up to him you know in the morning hanging out at his house all day and then his mum would chuck it in the back of her car and drive me home in you know after some food in the evening so uh yeah it was I don't think being in Keene would have been as easy without the bike
0: it is it, it is, a, it, it is a, it's a fundamental it's just one of the most important tools I remember again I, I I was in a I don't think I've ever mentioned this on on the pod um I was briefly in a band uh, there's me and my mate Gareth um and he was into hardcore punk and uh we used to yeah, ride around to each other. We used to ride to each other's houses, um, and the band basically comprised of me um, on vocals, and him. He just had a, he just had a hi hat, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, oh, oh, oh my god! But we wrote lo- we wrote loads of lyrics and stuff, and uh, we we did record a couple of I wouldn't call them singles, but we. Can record- we drop in
1: a sample
0: here? I, um, I, 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 there was a song that we wrote that I was really proud of. That I remember a few of the lyrics. And it was called Revenge of the Crisp Bags, um, <laughs> and it was, and I basically was um, again. This is this is when we, I lived in Watford, um, and I'd noticed lit, I noticed I didn't really like litter as a child. Uh, I thought it was a big shame, and I kind of, I kind of um, personified like litter and made it into I kind of made it kind of sentient in my mind, and I, and I, I thought of an idea that. If all the crisp bags got together, they could take over the world like Planet of the Apes, but Planet of the Crisp Bags. And so I wrote that into quite an epic song uh, with with a hi hat uh, wow. and me singing. So yeah, maybe. what we'll, and no, he did play a guitar. He did strum actually. Okay. Um, so but I, I'll maybe give you a bit of a, a sample of the lyrics a bit later because I'm a little bit embarrassed right now compared to... Uh... I like the idea of a <laughs>
1: sentient crisp bag army taking over the planet, you know. It's,
0: yeah, uh... it's. I, I think it's, it's a wonderful... Uh, imagination is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It, it really, really is. But um, You're like an
1: early eco-warrior
0: then, Matt. <laughs> something like that, something like that. But uh, no, so you continued to, to, to clearly love the bike, but you... You know, you obviously follow bike racing and stuff like that. I mean, um, do you? Yeah. You still? So you, you, really are properly a bit of a connoisseur, aren't you?
1: Well, I, I don't think I. I'm, I'm not enormously knowledgeable on it, but I, yeah, I do definitely follow the racing. I I did one of the, étape du Tour stages um, okay. a few years ago, and um, yeah, I always try and you know keep up on who's doing what. I watched some of the spring classics. I, I did um, the the sporty version of, of the Tour of Flanders, you know, a few years ago, and oh, wow. uh, yeah, so definitely, just uh, yeah. I mean, th- you know what? It's m- I, until you do those races and th- or those courses, like I don't think you can appreciate how fast the pros are going because, like, yeah. I did the Etap in, um, I think I was it was like nine or ten hours, and I think the slowest. Tour de France rider to do it did it in about four and a half or something I mean it's absolutely insane they were going like more than twice as fast as me I mean and that's like the moving time I think you know if you added all the you know lunch breaks (laughs) whatever it was um I think I was going for like 10 or 11 hours and it's just it's bonkers you know, I don't think you can realize how steep some of those mountains are that they go up. But anyway, it gave me a, even more respect for the, you know, for for you guys that that can actually do do that properly.
0: No, it. it I think the wonderful thing, and I think I've probably said this phrase probably n- nearly in, in every single podcast because we we come down to it is how wonderfully democratic cycling is. You know, just as just as something that kind of liberates people, gets them from A to B. But I think, from an elite sporting perspective, because you know, the, apart from the Olympic stadia where um, the track track racing happens, and you can even drop in and ride on those, you can ride on 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 pretty much every single bit of tarmac that the greats have ridden on through history. So you can get, and you know, you're on the, pretty much the same tool as they are, but you get a real sense of of place first and foremost but then the contextualization of physical effort is quite remarkable isn't it especially when you compare it to like times and now even more so when you can actually look at how much power you're managing to generate as well that's another entire level of of kind of information to put things in context for you but that's what I think I love about cycling so much is that like you just said you can you've gone to Flanders you've ridden over some of those iconic climbs you've been to the Alps Ridden the route of the Tour de France, and there's not that many sports that can say the same thing, is there?
1: Yeah, and then with Flanders the next day, watching the pros race, you know, we watched um, uh, what's it called? Is it the Uda Quarimont or something? I think yeah, Quarremont, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I watched um, them going up that, and you know, it was the year that um, Sagan won and Lizzie won, so both in their world champion stripes, and. Um, yeah they just seen them fly up those you know once you've ridden up it you're like this is a very steep bit of road (laughs) it's very unpleasant place to be on a bike and they just sort of you know they just flew up it it's ridiculous
0: and that that is amazing because that was that was 2016 because lizzie and sagan were champions in 2015 weren't they in the worlds? yeah Um, and i was there as well i rode the the uh charity the the sportif but obviously just right you yeah so it was a it was a gloriously sunny day I mean it was very very it wasn't certainly April Belgian weather was it no it
1: was we were very lucky
0: yeah but um yeah so you would have wow that's amazing so we rode pretty much on the same day I was part of a a very very small group of of journalists and and invited guests that when we rode but obviously you you rode it as well but uh, and that's the only time I've I I, I never rode the Tour of France as, as a pro but to ride in their kind of footsteps, or just before them, and to get the crowd cheering you on as you went up the Quadremont was 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 really pretty special. So that's you might right. have... I think,
1: my friend Luca might have shouted some abuse at you.
0: That's that, I mean, quite a few people did, Richard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. honest. Oh, that's that's so that's that's amazing. Oh, another story pretty from funny. that 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 event. I um because of the weather, uh, well, I hadn't really shaved my legs up to that point that year. Not that you kind of have to, but. I generally liked to shave my legs if I'm going to get my shorts on. Um, And the weather was so warm, I I managed to get a razor blade from a local chemist um, and dry shaved my legs in the changing rooms before the start. Oh my God, my legs were so sore. Um, Just sheer vanity. Oh it's awful, goodness. really, isn't it? That it had to. Come I hope to you power.
1: didn't get sunburn on top of that.
0: Um, I did. I, my legs were very, very patchy afterwards. It was awful. I think the the chaps at uh, at GCN at the time had to work very hard in post production, and uh, to remove them. But no, um, I mean, talking of talking of races, then, I mean, when you look at the, ca- the the calendar, what is the race that you would definitely make time to sit at home and watch, or you'd love to go to? What's the the big race that that you really really love? Well, I. Um, I did, you know, the the
1: the ride London and the ride London Classic is obviously pretty great, and um, and I live down in southwest London, as you know, which um, I live very close to the the route of that. In fact, I used to live in the lodge just inside Richmond Park, where oh, right. where the race comes into Richmond Park at the Sheen Gate. I used to live in that house, wow, um, just for a couple of years, and um, so used to just sort of watch from the the front garden um and see all these pros go past so that's I mean it's such an amazing thing to see you know some of the greatest riders in the world going past you know your your neck of the woods um but I I mean I, I I love the grand tours and um I remember when um Chris Froome had that sort of breakaway um at the Giro to sort of catch up all that time and and um I was I was sort of glued to that and texting my friend Alf, who's a, a cabbie, and he was um, he was working. But um, yeah, he. Uh, I, I was just texting him all the updates, um, right? And he was like, "Time gap, time gap." Every time he dropped off <laughs> a fare, I'd get a text saying, "What's the time gap?" Oh, that's you know, brilliant! Just, and it was that, and, and you know, you would never have known that that stage was going to become such a classic. But you know, that ridiculous breakaway, the way he just sort of took the race and won it. it was was insane and I don't know there's something about the the Giro that always seems special you did that didn't you
0: I did that's the the only Grand Tour I've ridden but I, I did ride the Giro many 20 21 years ago now because it's coming up to so a, lo- a long long time ago but it is um it's a beautiful race and it's a race that I love um going back to and I was commentating on sites from the race that you're describing um that particular yeah. day um it was because Chris Froome at the time um, was about sixth or seventh overall, about four or five minutes, wasn't he? And and, and yeah, the bookies he, had kind of written him off, and and yeah, to right, catch up so much time. It was it was it was it was incredible. We were I was commentating with Rob Hales, um, and we um, were messaging um, the uh, team Sky at the time about a, a chap on the inside there, just just keeping us up to date with what was going on with the team. And he said, oh, we've got a bit of a plan today. Um, Something is going to happen. You know, we've got a." And I, we've got a, something's going to be pretty spectacular. And thought, I wonder what that is. Um, and obviously, that was what it was, and it really was one of the most incredible moments I think in in recent memory. And, and to sort of call it home was 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 a real real privilege, but um, something quite spectacular. Because uh, I I'm, I don't really, if I'm commentating on a race, I don't generally bet on a race. But one of my mates um, said, shall I put some Chris Froome's odds have gone, you know, really really long now? What do you think?" And um, this is before I got the information. I said, well, knowing Chris Froome, when his back's against the wall, you know, generally comes good. So stick 20 quid on. And he was at like 100 to 100 to one at that point.
1: Oh, wow. Um,
0: and, he, and he did. He stuck an extra 20 quid. He'd already put money on, but the god, the, the odds had gone out. Anyway, he won about three and a half thousand pounds on wow. that on that day. Nice. Uh, yeah. But um, And I didn't put any money on at all. But uh, I've got course. the joy of calling it home. But, um, but there you go. Uh, hold on a minute. What's... Oh, What's uh, that sound? It's <coughs> a strange sound uh, coming random through.
1: Random question alert. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay.
0: So I think this might be the random, random generated question. Alert.
1: It is time for a random question.
0: Um, which is, um, I'm just going to have to walk across to the, the machine and pull it off. uh, (laughs) Well, not pull it off, pull the paper out of the bottom (laughs) of the machine. We're with you. We're with you. Oh, look, okay, Richard. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, We're rudely interrupted by the random uh, question generator. Um, And by its very definition, these questions are random. Um, So I've not seen this at all. But here goes, Richard. So so, um, this is the question. Would you rather have the ability to see five seconds into the future or have a really comfortable cushion on your sofa? <laughs> what on? I don't know. I honestly don't know who. So I just, that's yeah.
1: that's a very, I don't, I think, I think seeing into the future would just be awful. God. And it's no. only five
0: seconds as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've got, you don't have time to, to react, you know, that's, uh, I, yeah, no, the cushion, the cushion, you know, we're in lockdown. Let's be honest. A lot of us are spending a lot of time, on sofas so uh yeah
0: i yeah, think cushion, i can, please cushion so we'll we'll try and sort that out for you we'll try and get Thank you, you. Uh, i'm not sure if this will come true or not but we'll do our very best uh, sigma <laughs> well com- uh, well connected um in uh, soft furnishings and again i used to work at mark Suspense a long long time ago we hopefully pull something together for you but i do agree that's the best answer imagine that perpetually being able to see five seconds into the future it'll be that's, a real pain in obsessed. the neck wouldn't it
1: you'd be obsessed with it yeah but how would you tune it out would it, would it, I think it, you know what, as a drummer, that would be a nightmare. Because how would I stay in time? I would just be, everyone would be like, you're rushing, you're rushing. We're not, I mean, it's bad enough as it is, you know, with my rudimentary skills, no pun intended. It's it's like, God, that would be a nightmare. That would be absolutely horrific.
0: But what you could do, I mean, if you by mistake you had opted for that and in and your next recording session, you're all over the place. The lads in the band, you just have to say to them, look, I'm experimenting with free jazz yeah this is our new direction yeah this is yeah totally a new direction i mean talking about talking about music and talking about escapes um i mean do you yourself escape into music or is it do you escape into cycling what is your kind of escape from your profession if or do you are you happy remaining within your profession as being a musician i mean i'm I'm kind of interested in that it's and that and that sort of things where do you go to kind of kind of de-stress or kind of try and recharge yourself you know um where do you go off and where's your kind of the place that you kind of often want to go
1: you know honestly cycling probably does play that role and I think it always has even you know when I was working normal jobs before we had a record deal and that I used to cycle to work and um I I, I lived in Kensal Green and I, I worked at the BBC and I just uh had a half hour bike ride each way every morning and every night and i feel like that was when i was i was a pa i was someone's secretary basically and i i wasn't very good at it so i needed to um to work out what i was going to do and i feel like the bike ride was when i used to get my head together on the way in and you know and and now when i go out on the the road bike down into the surrey hills or you know um Especially at the moment when, when you're cycling on your own, I feel like it is a really good escape. So yeah, yeah. for me, cycling probably does serve that function. Um, yeah. and you know, when you go out for a few hours, you really do get a chance to, to just sort of, you know, let your mind wander. And these days I'm trying not to sort of decide where to go until I'm out there rather than just following a route. I've, I've cycled with the Kingston wheelers for quite a long time and, okay. um, I've started to get to know enough of the Surrey Hills to be able to sort of just potter around, you know, without necessarily planning it or having a map on your Garmin or whatever. And um, so, yeah, I feel like that's a really good way for me to relax. But then you always get a song stuck in your head. Do you, When you're riding, do you always get a song stuck in your head? Because I get the number of times I have obla da stuck <laughs> in my head
0: oh, no. when I'm
1: riding a bike is just outrageous because it's quite annoying after two or three hours it gets quite annoying
0: i I have had in the past um it generally generally in bike races when there's not a lot going on like maybe like a transition stage or the break up the road sometimes in bike races i get something um, in my head and then i'll Quite often talk to a teammate about it to almost share the burden. Yeah, share <laughs> and then, the pain. yeah, and then they're like, "What'd you tell me that for?" Now it's stuck in my head. Well, that's <laughs> why I wanted to mention that song. Actually, oh, <laughs> that is, is now going to be in my head for the rest of the pod. Very kind. It is really. yeah, I, I wanted
1: to I wanted to ask you actually. I, I I read a I think I was reading an interview with Mark Cavendish a few years ago, and and he was saying that the like an average club cyclist wouldn't even survive the rollout on a, on like a a grand tour stage that it's that sort of intense and chaotic and like that everyone's so close together like is it is that how like crazy it gets because like it looks I mean when people are doing sprints I always think I don't know how anyone is staying on their bikes but you know you've been in the middle of those situations like how how intense is it or or does it become just do you just get so used to it that you just kind of go with the flow and you you know, you don't even think about it. It's
0: a really, it's a really good question. I think, I think I, I, I agree with Mark and I kind of disagree with him, but I think he's right. Um, If it's a particular, if it's a start of a race that's particularly challenging in relation to weather conditions, course profile at the start, um, if it's just one of those. And, but I think in, in my, my career for, for many, many reasons was very different than Mark's. And when I was racing, there was a controlled element to the racing a little bit, a little bit more in many races at the start. We'd, we would roll out a little bit more gently, but then right. the last 50, 60 Ks would be very intense. Um, and there were a few more patrons within the peloton who would yeah. kind of not dictate, but you know, there was an unwritten rule that, you know, you race the way we'll race when we're going to race kind of thing. And that yeah. has pretty much gone out the window. So I guess Mark is quite right. And I, I raced at, internationally to quite late in my career with Sigma Sports at the UCI level so I've yeah and I raced with Mark but I think he is quite right and um if it's a, if the if the winds blowing if there's some hills early on and there's and there's a lot at stake in, in a race the opening few k's can be very very nervous especially the first couple of races of the season when everybody's come out of the winter um, a little bit nervy n- new bikes new kit new teammates there's just a different kind of and the first stage of a stage race is generally can be quite nervy as well yeah. and I think just from a Not so much from a physiological perspective, just from a skill perspective. The amount of skill that you need to ride in in close proximity to other riders is something that becomes innate. Um, So it's not something that you often think about until you're asked a question and then you look at it and you think, oh my God, especially hurtling in towards a finish, Um, you kind of don't actually think about the danger, the potential danger that you're, you're not in danger. It's just that if something happens, there's hardly any margin for error and yeah un- un- there's un- something yeah. so
1: beautiful about the way a peloton sort of ebbs and flows around corners and then splits around it's like a murmuration or something is it the splits around oh, yeah. the furniture and then joins back together and you know the way that someone who's finished their lead out just sort of gradually goes back through the group and and everyone you know i just it, it looks sort of like such organized chaos
0: i think that it is it is it is pretty much organized chaos it's, it's, i think it's your a description of a murmuration is, 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 a wonderful one to use, especially when you've got those. I, I often just, when I'm commentating my, my favorite shots are, and, and you'll often say me, hear me say, Oh, let's just let this breathe for a second. Let's just yeah. watch this. And it's a, you know, a shot of them descending a mountain in the brilliant sunshine somewhere in Spain or the, or the Alps or, or wherever. And and the Peloton is just one long line snaking around a series yeah. of hairpin bends and that there, there could be a minute, between the front and the back of the group, but the group's all together. Or, as you say, hurtling towards the finish, you know, where the bunch splits in two to go around a roundabout. It it just looks as if it's got a life of its own. Um, But when you think about it, I mean, there are 200 individuals all with different plans or with different kind of um, sensations and and different objectives, um, but also trying to do the same thing. Um, And it is, and that's what gives... The peloton its speed a lot of the time is so many people a bit uh heading towards a bunch finisher uh, trying to either protect firstly stay in the wheels secondly protect their team leaders and then and then jostle for position uh to, to drop off their sprinters and then you've got the sprinters who are trying to win the bike race as well and that yeah. constantly just adds to uh adds to the speed which these days i mean they're going faster and faster because of you know the, the physiological aspect i think riders Are getting more and more out of themselves physically and and bikes and kit are far more aero. So you are quite right. I mean, it's only when you kind of look at it now and you think, oh my gosh, you know, we're riding like millimeters from each other's wheels, brushing against each other, overtaking. And yet there's still not that many. There are crashes, of course, but there, there aren't that many. And that's just due to Years and years of doing the same thing, and you don't really think about it. I guess it's, uh, it's yeah. a, it, it is a it is a very very good question, but it's just something that's learned. I guess like like a musician, like I I look at you know people like yourself drumming or or guitarists, pianists, and think, oh my god, that is just beautiful to watch. But it's so far removed from. I am a big appreciator of music, but um, my wife plays. Mm-hmm. But to watch somebody you know who's exceptionally good at their at their craft is is something. Something to behold. Oh, definitely.
1: Definitely. Did you ever get yeah. told off then by any patrons or whatever?
0: Uh, not by any patrons because I, I was, I kind of, I did attack a few times when they didn't, they did kind of didn't want us to. And somebody called me a cheese dick once in the tour of <laughs> um, and threw and subsequent to calling me a cheese dick, got out a cheese roll and threw it at me and it hit me <laughs> in the back of the head. Um, wow. so I I actually carried on with the attack and um and he came up after the finish so it was double it was a double header so yeah it's a Belgian guy riding for Vlander in 2000 as, as they were known back then called me a cheese dick for attacking and then threw a bread roll at me uh, and then had to go at me at the finish as well but um wow. that's the only time I've been well not the only time but I've been verbally abused a few times but no <laughs> I, I tried to stay on the right side of people like Cipollini and and Pan- so Cipollini, back in the in the day, was the, the major patron of the, a lot of the races yeah. that I was riding in Italy. He would. Right. He's a lovely guy, actually. He's got a bit of kind of sometimes gets a bit of bad press, um, primarily because he doesn't like sleeves, does he?
1: Um
0: A master of
1: his own PR, wasn't he?
0: Oh God, uh, unbelievable! But uh, those characters now, for better or for worse, aren't aren't really around anymore but um i do love the fact that he's still on instagram all the time you know riding yeah. around like like well he's i mean for the guy who's like 55 he's in pretty decent shape isn't he he's a yeah he's a he's a very very interesting and actually a very very nice guy after my crash in the Juro. he did actually the day after when i was bandaged up came up to me and asked me how i was in, in, in oh, french man. um which i you know when i was this lowly rider who nobody really kind of would pay much attention to but he had the courtesy to come up and just he saw me fall and asked me if I was okay, which I thought gives a real insight into, into into his character, which, which was really quite touching, actually. I love that. I love that. But um, what, what I'd like to sort of dig around at as, as well, Richard, if you don't mind, I mean, my, I think my, music, my, my musical interests are kind of, as I get older, are becoming, or have become increasingly broad. Um, but a lot of that, I think, is down to what I've been into over the last 20 or 30 years, but also the kind of, I've written it down here. The sonic landscape of my home in Bushy, in Hertfordshire, um, which was bands like Abba, Supertramp, The Beatles, Carpenters, Fleetwood Mac, stuff like that, that my mum used to play really loud on vinyl on the weekend, primarily. And um, what was what was was it like at your house? What was what was the music that was playing? That oh, well, has it influenced you? Has it not influenced? You? I just want to get a sense of what it was like in in the late seventies, early mid eighties in your house.
1: Yeah, so I've got an older sister and she was quite into sort of Duran Duran. So there was a lot of that around and uh, like Tapao. And uh, yeah. uh, my dad used to, I used to get dragged off to church every Sunday. And once in a while, we'd get back and my dad would be listening to like the Rolling Stones or something. And I was so jealous because, like, I had to go to church and he was at at home (laughs) listening to music. And it's like, why can't I do that? (laughs) But it's like his one sort of hour of the week where he got to actually sort of decompress or whatever. Um, And, you know, they had, you know, Sergeant Pepper on on vinyl and um, I seem to remember rather randomly they had the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack, which used to get, played once in a while but um yeah then but i got um i was friends with you know tim my bandmate from i guess really good friends sort of school best friends from about 10 um and we just got into the pet shop boys and uh erasure um and then into like paul simon simon and garfunkel and then discovering the you know the beatles and um he got the huge complete beatles uh, songbook and we used to and he was quite good at the piano even back then and so just sort of hammer out those songs and 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 then onwards through we really liked the big bands the first show tim and i went to was rem in wow. at milton keynes in 95 which had like <sighs> sleeper then radiohead and then the cranberries and then rem which is a Brilliant. pretty good four band lineup. Um, Actually, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, like Radiohead second on, just after the Benz had come out, and um, then then U two shows like the big U two Wembley stadiums, like Zoo TV and, and yep. Pop Mart. Yeah, um, went to see those. So yeah, we were just into and, and I was I was a huge REM fan, still am, um, and. Once in a while, I'll, I'll hear a bit of my own drumming and I'll realise what R.E.M. song I nicked it from. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is you can't. probably pro- pay royalties to Bill Berry, to be honest.
0: I mean, I mean R.E.M. were one of my favourite bands, I think, growing up. And similarly, you too. I mean, I'm, I'm just a little bit older than you. So I was born in 1917. You were in 75, 76, weren't you? Yeah, 75, yeah. 75, I mean, yeah. yeah. And um, I was quite... So I kind of got into REM like 89, sort of green yeah. um, kind of time. Uh, and then obviously Automatic for the People dropped at this, yeah. roughly the same time as Acton Baby. And I, I think my first, apart from Queen, the band that I liked the most during the 1980s was was U2. Had all yeah. their stuff on vinyl um, and started, I think Unforgettable Fire was the first album and that, you know, the, that kind of blew my mind so i went back to war and boy and then then through and i and i know that from from reading a a little bit about you that one of your most favorite albums or inspirational albums is acting baby oh yeah Uh, yeah i mean i remember with my friend waiting because you know back in the days of melody maker and enemy and it would give you the release dates for records and you would wait and there would be this excitement leading to the so i would i would wait till i would wait outside you know our price and, and and i remember going to get that album and i think it's the the album that i remember with the most anticipation right um but so what why acting baby for you then if that's still the case it's just a brilliant record it's the
1: songs are beautiful um and the drumming is incredible. Like the drumming yeah. is so good. Like I, we were, we opened for you 2 a few times. Um, they they did this thing around. Uh, it was around how to dismantle an atomic bomb. They mm-hmm. with like Vertigo and um, they seem to take all the young sort of first album bands out on tour for little. You know, just for a short period of time, like Franz Ferdinand and The Killers yeah. and, and us and loads of other bands and just and Snow Patrol and so on. And, and it was like they were sort of letting us do a little apprenticeship or something, just see how it's done. And they were an absolute class act from start to finish. They, you know, Larry took the time to show me like how he set up his drums because he's had a few injuries over the
0: years he's got back problems quite severe back problems isn't he i believe yeah Yeah.
1: but also like his wrists and his shoulders and and so and you know at the time he had a physio with him on tour um and uh it was he just wanted me to see he'd seen me playing which which alone blows my mind and uh (laughs) then and, and said, well, look, if you do this or if you move that or you use this kind of a seat with a backrest and, and a hydraulic thing so when you're bouncing up and down, it takes the pressure off your back and just all this stuff. It's like a cyclist taking you to one side and saying, you know what, Matt, your saddle's too low and your bars are too high or whatever, and this is how you're going to be better at your job if if you do this. And uh, and and it was just like there was no need for him to do that. You know, he, yeah. he just happily let me you know sit at his drum kit which is insane because you know i grew up watching that on tv you know watching rattle and hum and you know he's the reason why i've got a floor tom on my left hand side which not a lot of people do when they play the drums but in with or without you he drops down onto that and i saw that on you know my tv and that's why i have it set up the way i have it and it's changed the way that i play the drums and that's all because of him and and there he was taking the time to, you know, to let me sit at his kit and talk me through how to do things better. It was, it was you know, one of those little moments that you just sort of pinch yourself and think, you know, did that actually just happen?
0: I mean, it must have been, <clears throat> I mean, when, yeah, I, I, it's difficult to kind of, c- can, I, I guess it must be difficult to convey how, how kind of significantly important that must have been for you. Because, I mean, again, I did do a little bit of research. You opened for you 2 in Munich, Nice and Barcelona, didn't you? Yes, and then in the States. Yeah. In the States as well. I mean, and they were, well, they were basically for a long period of time the, along with like R.E.M. and like the biggest band in the world. So, but for you yeah. to open for them, I mean, it must have been, did you, could you keep your eye on the ball or, or did you have to contain your kind of excitement? Because I'd imagine, I mean... I mean, I can only imagine, of course, it must have been absolutely mind-blowing, especially to the size of the, the audiences. And, and, yeah, and like the, you know,
1: the Barcelona show was at their new camp.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just so many levels of awesomeness that are involved yeah. here. It's just must be, you, To actually keep yourself kind of grounded and just do your job, like drum for your band and, and nail, nail the performance, must have been quite hard not to get kind of sucked into this kind of vortex of adrenaline and excitement and stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know how our singer Tom coped with those early shows because, you know, he's the youngest guy in the band and, and he, you know, everyone's looking at him. You know, he's got to carry this stadium full of people who are waiting to see another band. You know, <laughs> um, And so, yeah, it's when I look back at those, I, I remember the new Camp thing because my tech, um, my late uh, drum tech, Scott, who was, was, Normally your tech is off stage, but there was nowhere else for there was nowhere to hide on that stage. There was no off stage because the way they had it set up, it was all right. just everything was visible, and the text was sort of underneath. Okay. Um. And so anyway, he just sort of was basically sat by my side, um, behind a speaker, um, for the whole thing, and it was the first time. I, and I, I really, I just kept looking at him, and then looking up and looking around, and we were just laughing at, at like how big this thing was because. It's like being in the middle of, like, a Volovon or something. <laughs> Volovon.
0: <laughs> oh, sides, great.
1: The sides are so steep, and, and you yeah. look up, and, and it's like you, you're just completely surrounded by people. It was absolutely bonkers. Um, yeah, and then I, yeah, I, I don't, I, I just, those shows, the adrenaline was so strong that they just, dis, the shows just went in an absolute flash, and I, yeah. I don't really remember you know playing like the first Glastonbury we did I don't really remember it I remember walking on stage and then I remember like almost immediately walking off stage again <laughs> just and apparently half an hour went past you know I, I blimey just,
0: yeah it's uh, gone that, that that is I mean we we had um, um Perry App Gwyneth a good a good friend of mine from Pendulum who did the first ever podcast actually and he um with Pendulum I think, I don't know where the headline, but they, I think they headline one of the stages at Glastonbury and he said that was like walking on stage there. He said it was, um, not exactly an epiphany or anything, but he said it was a, a kind of moment that's very difficult to put into words. And he said the time did kind of disappear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we can only imagine being, being onlookers what that must be like to experience. But, um, at this talking about supporting you too and being on stage being on their stage it's this this is where I can neatly bring in in Holly my wife's question if that's okay yeah um, um, did the edge um, insist on you calling him mr. edge <laughs> <laughs> mr the edge sir um, no, I, no. I, I've heard I we've heard that I don't know whether you know whether it's kind of the kind of thing you hear in that's uh, probably been lost in translation somewhere on the line it's obviously a bit of an urban myth but Holly was just intrigued. I mean, Bono just calls him Edge, doesn't he? Um, but yeah. he's Bono though, isn't he? You yeah. know, like. But uh, I guess if if you're kind of
1: Bono not- and the Edge is a bit better than Paul and Dave though, which is yeah. what they're <laughs> called, isn't it? So <laughs> it, it is. Like no disrespect, to, you know, Paul McCartney, pretty good name, you know. Yes. But uh, anyway, yeah. But we, you know what, Adam Clayton came and he brought us a big bottle of champagne after the last show we did, and you know just. You know, you call him Adam, and I called Larry. Larry, but I don't think, I don't think I, I really chatted to the Edge. I think Tim probably, um, Tim, because of his you know love of guitar pedals and stuff. Even though he plays the piano, he puts it a lot yeah. through guitar stuff. He he probably as soon as the Edge appeared, I'm sure Tim just sort of you know took him off into a corner to ask about digital delays or something.
0: I mean that's it's quite. I, I'm also I'm kind of imagining and also slightly inventing the fact that maybe. The edge was a bit kind of like wow, these guys make this incredible sound, and they've got no lead guitarist. Maybe he was a bit unnerved by what you could do with with melody and and, and the instruments that you had.
1: But, you uh, uh, they used the same piano. <coughs> this is so deep. Oh, right. but they used the same <laughs> piano as as we used. So um, I don't know if that's where Tim got the idea from. But on that New Year's Day, there's that uh, little piano line, and that's oh, it's that's a little exactly
0: a little cut ding ding ding. That's it. Ding ding ding. That's it. That's yeah. The one. exactly the same piano wow that is that is amazing that is absolutely amazing i mean yeah i mean it's it's kind of the how do you come down from a moment like that because we talk about you know the euphoria of of race of of bike racing and kind of and and also i've talked to many ex-pros now who kind of retired um left the sport and felt kind of bereft now i know obviously your, your band is still going you were unfortunately the what your 2019 tour was was cut short because of COVID-19 yeah, yeah. but but then a few years back you had a kind of an indefinite break for about four or five yeah. or f- about five years and how did you from being one of the biggest bands on the planet and selling a you know a shitload of records um how did you kind of get to grips with kind of relative normality in that in kind of interim period of your career you
1: know what I actually it I I Signed up to do Lands and Jonny Groats.
0: <laughs> oh, great! Oh, a lovely segue back into cycling. That was I know. Great. oh, brilliantly! Um, oh, per- perfect.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did that in 2014, and then after that, I remember at the talking to some of the marshals of, who who sort of you know the ride marshals who'd come along. They said. They said, what are you doing next? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I've just been focused on this. And they said, you've always got to have something next, because otherwise you'll get home and you'll just be really depressed. <laughs> so wow. then I signed up for one of those oat route um, things, which was definitely a bit above my pay grade, which was from Nice to Geneva through the Alps. Um, and that was quite steep. Um so yeah I honestly I threw myself into cycling I got quite wow. obsessed especially once I realized how difficult the oat route thing was going to be I got yeah my friend from from the wheelers um my friend Toby to do me a training plan and I just used, and I got quite obsessed with all that to because I didn't want to you know get timed out or whatever every day on that that ride Yeah
0: because the thing about Oat route there, there is it, you have to kind of tell them don't before you ride or you, you have to make them aware or or it's expressed that you need to be a certain level to do this because there is a type it's not a race but it kind of is isn't it there's a general they classification is a isn't timing there? thing and you do yeah. if
1: you if you meet
0: don't meet certain cut-offs, i mean i don't
1: know what it's like now because i've only done the one this was 2015 it was the one that was in that icarus documentary the guy yes, who yeah. cheated or whatever you know who took whatever he he was in that that particular edition but anyway wow. um yeah i i got quite obsessed so yeah when when it all sort of stopped i did get Quite heavily into the cycling and um, I think that did really help Um, and then you know after a couple of years you realize you just miss your mates and and it all becomes a bit simpler and Tom fortunately sorted out all his issues and he made a record and you know then you know it all sort of fell back into place and and actually the future is is sort of going to be a little bit like that I think for Keen, I think Tom's going to do another record and we might have another little pause and but But that's that's all okay, you know, because yeah. it because th- we've been through it once. Um, but yeah, that that is how I did it. I genuinely, I just started to. I bought a road bike in about twenty thirteen, maybe, and then I signed up for, for Lands End John O'Groats the next year.
0: And how did Lands End John O'Groats? Uh, how how well? Not that it's a race. How how long? Because that's something that I've never done, but I would absolutely love to do it. And it's just oh, a matter that's of amazing. Fi- just getting. You know eight nine ten days to do it because i certainly don't want to do it uh, under pressure i, I, I yeah. want to enjoy the experience although it's obviously pretty arduous but I, I think it could be a lot of fun as well as being a big physical challenge um oh, it's brilliant so I, I, did, yeah, I, I did it with that support on that uh, deloitte sort of uh,
1: ride across britain thing and okay. so they carried all the luggage and stuff and i think it was i think it was eight or nine days um you're from the southwest, aren't you? Or, or didn't, hadn't you been down there? Because that was day one was the hardest day. Of, so it was young. one of the hardest days of cycling in my whole life because Cornwall, you go down a hill and then you have to cross a river, which means you have to slow down for the bridge. And then you've got to go up the other side. And that's basically what Cornwall is,
0: right? Yeah. It, it's no Because it's so twisty and turny, you yeah. actually end up having to lo- lose a lot of momentum coming yeah. down. And then and
1: you've so got to <laughs> start again. It's brutal.
0: So yeah. honestly, at the end of day one, I
1: thought, I can't do this. I just can't <laughs> do this. If it's going to be like this for nine days, then I'm just going to get on the next train. You know, it's it was that first day was the worst. But after that, it was great. Yeah. I, I made a point of making my only target was not to get off and walk at any point. Right, okay. And I managed that, so that you know I was happy with that. That that's
0: wonderful. I do. Oh, you've got to do it though. The Scotland
1: stuff. Is, uh, oh, yeah, incredible. I
0: I've 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 ridden in Scotland um, a reasonable amount. I've raced there. Tour of Britain went up there. Well, twenty odd years ago. Uh, Edinburgh, kind of Dundee, and I've, yeah, I've raced there a lot and visited a few times. But it, I've not explored particularly far north, and it just looks beautiful it just oh, looks desolate beautiful apart from and, the midges um, it's it's brilliant yeah 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 well that's definitely on on my kind of um kind of bucket list and talking of kind of bucket list where where is your favorite place to ride your bike then or, or where would you like Or oh, there's two questions where's your favorite place that you've ridden that you'd like to sort of go back to and where would you like to ride your bike that you haven't
1: well having said how much i love the giro i'd love to ride you know some of the you know the dolomites and you know it just looks so Unbelievably beautiful. um Watching the strada, is it Bianchi or Bianchi or Bianca?
0: I, yeah, strada Bianchi.
1: Yeah. The, the other day, I, I mean, that just looks so nice. I mean, it looks brutal, but it looks so beautiful. So, I, yeah, I definitely have. I haven't ridden in Italy, but I would like to. Yeah. Um, my favourite place, honestly, at the moment, I've been doing a lot of mountain biking. Um, okay. And down, just down in the Surrey Hills, and um, I, I really really love it it's not just because there's no traffic although that is a big thing but I do really it takes me back to you know growing up at my parents house and riding in the woods behind their house but um, there's so many great trails around just in the Surrey Hills that um, yeah I really enjoy that I, I booked a day at Bike Park Wales that I've never been to but I booked a day there that was cancelled because of the pandemic so uh, at you some will point like I'll it there. Get there
0: yeah that I mean I have been there I've ridden around there uh, once or twice, I actually went there once w- when I w- managed to ride, and I went there, took my um, my young lad and my ex wife there. Uh, so, ooh, must have been about twenty twenty odd years ago, and uh, maybe a little bit less than that. And uh, they run out of bikes uh, for me to hire, so um, and I didn't have a, a bike on my own at that point. So basically, my, my wife and my young lad, who was, he was about six at the time, rode the course, <laughs> and I had to and I had to run. <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely nailed so basically just a, a tip richard please make sure that you either hire a bike and you can, you're 100% going to get one or take your own please I'll don't run it it's not, um, no. it's not the same experience like, and it's not the same experience run no.
1: park wales in yeah UK. it just doesn't yeah.
0: it's just hard work um and i ran it in a luckily i had a pair of baggy cords you know when um back in the late 90s early early nineties, when when kind of Big kind of combat trousers were a yeah. thing. It was back yeah. then. Um, big yes. pockets on the thighs, exactly. It, sort of think All Saints back in their prime. Nice, um, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you can, but, um, but in Wales, it, but but in Wales, and, and, and walking and walking behind family members who have mountain bikes whilst they don't <laughs> have any. Uh, a very specific memory, in fact.
1: <laughs> right, oh my God, you've got a talent for these slightly, uh, slightly sort of comic. Uh, Episcence. No, it's, it's, I can't get
0: it I can't get it out I've just, All I'm thinking about now is is all saints in their prime Riding around uh, Bike Park Wales and me running behind It's very strange um, Anyway, let's change the subject Let's change pace And it's time for Niall to bring in the jingle Because, do you know what it's time for, Richard? What is it time for, Matt? It's time for the battle quiz Yay! The battle quiz The battle quiz Now it's time the battle quiz it is the town of battle in east sussex i am referring to not the act of battle although having not seen the questions yet i cannot confirm or deny if there will be a question in relation to the act of battle in the town of battle <laughs> okay <laughs> wow a very long question from i merely player. went and made a cup of tea during that jingle uh, now as you may be th- you might be thinking can't Matt hear the jingle. We had a few tech issues. Um, I couldn't hear the jingle, but but Richard, let, let's let's you know cards on the table. Niall, our producer, would you ever let him loose on on mixing a um, a keen record?
1: That was quite sort of Daft Punky in a way. So right. uh, yes, I think because they've broken up. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously we would uh, they would have been the first choice but Niall is now the second choice
0: so, okay yeah. he, do you know what he'll be his little face now will be, be beaming <laughs> back at home in his little pod room that he has um for recording the pods. Pod. He'd, it's it's a little bit worrying though because um every week uh, since we've been doing these little jingles these the kind of uh, the quiz jingles are getting longer and longer and I think eventually if we continue at this rate Richard there won't be a podcast. It would be just one long <laughs> jingle, and he will have taken over, which is a little bit concerning. So I might have to take him to one side and have a word about the length of that pig. jingle. Yeah. Exactly, mate. He's a nice lad, but he does need to know. Yeah. There's, no, there's boundaries. Yeah. Anyway. No, you, you are required in HR. <laughs> exactly. We'll sort that out. I've just, send you a Go- I've just mm. sent you a Google appointment, mate, for tomorrow morning <laughs> at nine. Uh, he's right. Playing,
1: he's playing sound <laughs> effects, by the way. But, uh, yeah. Is he?
0: <laughs> <laughs> i can't hear any of them <laughs> anyway right the battle quiz um let's just put this into context um you were born in gravesend but you were brought up in the sussex town of, of battle weren't you yep. yeah yeah just so people think in battle because uh, yep. we get a lot of uh, foreign listeners as well so yeah there's a place in the south not this week matt not this battle. week no no <laughs>
1: Right, I've got so three like maybe questions. Maybe South America, actually, you might get yeah. quite a few listeners in South America.
0: Indeed. well, you've got you've got a, a big uh, South American fan base, haven't you, Keith? We do, we do. Uh, you know, um,
1: and obviously there's a link to cycling there as well, because you know, they're link, quite yeah. good at riding bikes up hills in South America, aren't they?
0: They are yeah. indeed. And um, actually, while we're talking about South America, we will get on with the quiz in a minute. Um, I've been there once. To, I've been to Colombia uh, back yeah. in 1995 for the World Championships, and. It, what a time I had, you know, it, it was the people were just so, so humble and and modest and kind. That's just my, I know it, it's, it's a lot of, tr- a lot of trouble down in, in South America, I know, but in terms yeah. of just fundamentally the people, the, the takeaway from me, uh, as I'm waffling now, was, was just my abiding memory of how wonderful the people were. Well, what are your yeah. thoughts on the, uh, your experience uh, of South America?
1: We've toured there a few times and, and every time it's wonderful. You know, the people are, just as you say they're they're just beautiful friendly welcoming warm generous and they just they just love having a good night with good music you know it's yeah. like a sort of cultural thing they they let themselves go and it's um it's the closest feeling to sort of being like a sort of you know an actual superstar when you're there because they just you know they they camp outside the hotel and sing your songs and you know it's somehow the people in the front row seem to get back to your hotel before you do after a show, <laughs> even though freaky. you leave straight from the stage and go straight back. It's amazing. Like they're so passionate and yeah, it, it's been one of those unexpected things. You never imagine, like you think, oh, maybe we'll get to tour America and play in New York or whatever. But you know, when you end up going, you know, to further afield to places like, you know, Asia's and, and, playing in Japan, playing in South America. It's it is wild when you get to do that. That and it's such a sort of bonus. Yeah, I absolutely love
0: it. It's it's it, yeah. I mean it's uh and some of the some of the the scale of some of the venues that you played, I've just seen some uh, looking at some of the images of some of the venues and the, the kind of capacities. They are big, big crowds that you're playing to down there, yeah. aren't they? Yeah.
1: It's yeah. and just singing along. Oh my God, it's so loud. It's it's wonderful.
0: That's that's lovely. Anyway, so Back to the battle quiz. Um, First, I just need to ask if you've prepped for this, or you're just going to use that kind of knowledge that is kind of, I don't know, kind of by process of osmosis is already in your brain.
1: The residual knowledge. I haven't done my (laughs) homework. Back.
0: Good. Because the I'm going to be really honest with you. The the kind of wikipedia page for battle is quite short i only did like one scroll of my finger and i was at the, was at the end of the page so okay. please so i've done a little <laughs> bit of mining i've done a bit of mining anyway so without further ado i've already had the jingle i'm not going to give nile an opportunity to play that again it's too long question number one what uh richard is battle's motto as scribed under its coat of arms and i'm going to give you it's multiple choice, so don't don't stress. I've got four choices here. So, what is Battle's motto, ascribed under its coat of arms? Is it A, a nation through war? Is it B, through war, a nation? Is it C, through war we strive, or is it D, we strive through war? Oh my God, I have no idea. Uh, would it be in Latin or something on the? It is. In it's New in Latin. Mexico. And that's, yeah, it's in Latin uh, underneath it, but it translates into English. It means one of those. Do you four. have the
1: Latin? Because I've probably seen oh, the Latin.
0: here we go. All right. Um, just bear with me. Um, did I leave that tab open? Um, I'm going to get it. <laughs> I'm just going to get it for you now. I nearly just typed in Keane coat of arms. Keane hasn't got a coat of arms, but Battle has. And oh, we do, you- but
1: we just don't like to talk about it. Oh, okay, that's fair enough. Let's
0: just leave yeah. that. I mean... Um, and maybe just send us this- we're
1: quite posh if imagine if we <laughs> revealed that we actually have a coat of arms
0: is it all of your faces is it tom's tims that's right. yourselves Jesse's uh, a yeah. sort of jester <laughs> character on top on the top oh right so i've got it i found it isn't the internet a wonderful wonderful thing um, okay it is per bellum patria so
1: that's like out of war what was it? Something like that? Is it the war first, then na- nation after,
0: or something like that? Yes, it? it is. That is correct. <laughs> Through war, a nation. So, is there that you your go. final choice? Yes. Well done. <coughs> so, um, Niall now should give you a nice yes. tinging sound. Well, you yes, got one. Beautiful. Great beautiful. stuff. So, I've going got going a on.
1: text message. Okay. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> so, brilliant stuff. So, so far, it's early doors, but you've got a one hundred percent hit rate in the battle quiz, which moves us nicely along to question number two. Okay. I'm going to list some pubs now, um, yeah. and there are two imposters. Okay, so which you of you asked Lizzie are- about pubs, and I did think I did. about
1: the pubs in battle. Yeah,
0: yes. So um, because there's, I mean, there's there's a lot of facts about battle, but a lot of them are just c- kind of quite. Quite dull and kind of dry, Um, (laughs) uh, and I mean that in the nicest of ways. More about the borough. There's a lot of information about the borough council, and I thought, you know what? I don't want to drag the pod down too far. So, okay, which of these pubs, Richard, in battle is an imposter, i.e., does not exist, i.e., has been created by me. Okay. So, a, checkers.
1: Yeah, first pint was there.
0: So, so that's an actual pub. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's there.
0: Okay, so, B. Ferret in
1: there there is a ferret
0: no there's a squirrel
1: no i yeah i don't think the feral exists ferret sorry carry on
0: correct you and you're going to get an extra point for telling me the squirrel does because i was inspired to ferret off the back of the squirrel so well done (laughs) (laughs) there aren't that many there's and anyway yeah okay Um, i've got two more um gunpowder tavern no you would that there's no hesitation there. You know, there's no that you're correct. And <laughs> Star Hotel, the Star Hotel.
1: Is that oh yeah, hang on, yeah, that's got. I think that's yes, I think that exists. Uh, but I don't know if it's a pub as such. There's, if it is where I'm thinking, yes. Anyway, this is so boring to, for people to listen to my, to my brain <laughs>
0: rambling. No, but this but, is what the quiz is all about. We like to hear um, the kind of machinations going on in your, in your brain. I mean, maybe in the future, for future podcasts, there'll be like a little chip and we can actually hear what it's like when people are working out a question. Um, but correct, the Star Hotel, so 100%. So yeah, you you rooted quite easily out Ferret Inn and the Gunpowder Tavern. And
1: I. You know, went to the pub because growing up in the countryside, there's not you know, there's not that much to do, which is no. why you end up forming a band, right? So exactly, yeah, exactly. Or riding a bike,
0: exactly. Well, I did actually read uh, one of my favourite types of question for the for the uh, these local kind of quizzes, hometown quizzes as we call them, is if there are any uh, Morris dance troops, uh, and there isn't, so you're not going to get a Morris dance <laughs> question. So don't worry about that. Anyway, so okay. the final question of the rather short battle quiz. Um, Okay, question number three, Richard. Study yourselves, or study yourself, and listen to this one. Why was Battle Abbey built? Okay, so why was Battle Abbey built? I've got three choices for you. Was it A, to commemorate the spot where King Harold died or fell? B, to celebrate the conquest of England? Or C, was it ordered to be built by the Pope as penance um, because of the amount of people that killed uh, in the Battle of Ten Sixty Six,
1: I thought it was that A because of it was the site of the Battle of Hastings because the battlefield is behind it. But mm. uh, we used to get drunk on the battlefield quite a lot,
0: um, so yeah, I think it's that, isn't it? Isn't it A? Well, it kind of is, but it also isn't. It was. The, it was basically the Abbey was built by order. In 1070, of Pope Alexander II, wow. he ordered the Normans to do penance for killing so many people during the conquest of England that he ordered it to be built oh, on the site of the battle. That. Yeah, wow. but I only then- ever used to
1: break into it. I never used to actually do the tour.
0: <laughs> no, so uh, I mean we both learned something today, haven't we? So yeah. uh, it the was built on. To-
1: you see, the gatehouse has got two gates, and yeah. I, I think I've said this before that the the big one is locked. But the one right. on the right, the little one, was just held on with uh, a, a little chain over a nail. So after you'd been to the pub, you could take your last beer or whatever and you could unhook that go, and then just go and have a drink on the battlefield, which we did quite a lot.
0: Isn't that a lovely thing? Not Because no, nobody was harmed, were they?
1: No, no they... we might have left some litter, but um, not intentionally,
0: okay. but it was dark. So. Yeah, and, and you probably were slightly drunk. So it's just an exactly. accident, really, wasn't it? Exactly. So um, I'm going to do you know what I'm going to do, Richard, because I'm, I'm in a cracking mood. It's been a great pod so far. Um, I'm going to give you half a point or 0.5 oh. of a point. If depends if we go decimal or we go old school. So uh, you've actually got one, two, two and a half out of three. Congratulations. Thank uh, you very much. There'll be another jingle that plays now. Just listen to that for a moment. Okay. There was Did you lot, get...
1: there? Was some applause
0: there? Some applause. That's it. Thank you <laughs> It's quite. This is quite beautifully painful because I can't hear any of these jingles. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Okay. Um, right. You're. You've got to write twenty. This is a, a question, um, Richie. Somebody's. You've just got a letter through the post, um, and it says you've been ordered. Um, because the statute of limitations on littering in battle is, is 30 years. <laughs> now, uh, you've been ordered to ride on Zwift for 24 hours to do penance, not for the amount of people that died during 1066. That would be unfair. But for leaving litter in the, in the abbey grounds, um, yeah. and you've got to do penance on Zwift. You've got to do 24 hours on Zwift. But my question is, what album would you listen to on constant rotation, doing your Zwift penance? Oh, my God.
1: It would have to be a a long album, wouldn't it? I think a double album of some kind, like maybe Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness.
0: Oh, what an absolute corker of an album by uh, Smashing Pumpkins, yeah.
1: You've got some rock songs, and then you've got a couple of sort of more chilled. Yeah, that'll do.
0: That is, I mean... As you can probably tell, that's a question that came out of the ether. <laughs> so <laughs> just, uh, but what a crack it. I mean, they were one of my favorite bands of the mid 90s, actually, um, Smashing Pumpkins. And incidentally, I, I'm kind of trying to bring things around full circle a little bit. Um, when I was training for the World Championships in Colombia, um, we were training in Red Rocks. There was a race around Red Rocks where you two did that Red Rocks concert. Um, and smashing pumpkins were playing but fort- unfortunately we couldn't get tickets but I remember pulling up on my bike during a training session and looking at the kind of that amphitheater where you two played that amazing gig yeah. um, I, that was one of the probably the most worn out VHS ta- uh, cassettes ever yeah. in my house. That, what I mean I mean I take it you've seen that and that was a big that was a big kind of uh, I've um, seen that yeah I've always yeah. wanted
1: to play there but it, we've never had the chance but uh, yeah uh, that's that's one of the ones still on the bucket list.
0: It's it's a gorgeous. I mean, have you? I take it you've. you've I mean, I. i I'm, again. I make no bones about it. I used to pretend to be Bono in my front room and leap around and sing. Really, once my mum and dad had gone out, I used to put that on full volume and just pretend to be Bono because he did that kind of skipping kind of thing with it with the kind of microphone, didn't he? Up and down. It was just. But yeah. what an amazing an amazing record! That what an amazing performance that was. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean.
1: It's, yeah, it's they—they they just had a, a period where they were just unstoppable, didn't they? It's, yeah, yeah, amazing.
0: I mean, you're a big—and and again, um, you're a big fan of photography, aren't you as well? I mean, I am. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you—I believe you. Again, this is from a bit of research. Are you really? Do people really call you Mister Nikon?
1: No, there's just a no, few people. Just a few, few, I was going to say that. It's a little bit strange isn't it it's but, a slightly uh, odd one but or nikon guy or whatever yeah i would say nikon because that's how paul simon said it but um okay yeah. okay um <laughs> but yeah i uh yeah I, d- I used to do a lot of photo blogs before you know instagram I, f- I feel like i would sort of basically invented instagram but without you know actually monetizing it you know yeah and, or at least i inspired it or something like that you know i, I think i think i don't that's, think that's, that's a different. stretch um <laughs> so yeah yeah, just I I yeah, we all we will try and uh remember tours in a different way, but yeah, I've got so many photos. It's um yeah, it it, it does bring back all
0: the memories. It's pretty great. I mean, I know it must be because you've played so many so many places in the world and obviously you, you've toured extensively. Are there any particular uh concerts or performances that you kind of look back on with the most fondness or or you look back on and you had the most um, the most incredible experience. What 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 are the other gigs that you could maybe recount for us, or one or two of them that you you think you think about and you think? Obviously, you talked about the opening for U two, which must have obviously was amazing. But yeah. what, what are the the standout gigs in your in your keen career so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, opening for U two, we ended up opening for them at Madison Square Garden for five wow. nights, and Whoa. we were we were recording our second album at the same time in in New York in the day, and then we'd go. And when you do a five nights, you only sound tech the first one. Once everything's done, it's ready. So yeah. So we could just record all day and then go and play at Madison Square Garden for half an hour, Fling and neck. then watch you two do a full show at Madison Square yeah. Garden every night. And it was that was probably you know recording in in Soho in New York. Just um,
0: what studio helped. did you record in?
1: What studio was it? Um, Oh, God, it was, was it on Spring Street? What was it called? The Magic Shop, I think it was called. Okay. Um, it was quite a small studio, but it was, the drums were, sounded great in there. And it just felt so like this is what we always dreamt of. It's like playing a show, you know, with one of our heroes and then recording during the day and being in New York. And yeah, that was about as good as it got, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, that- yeah. That it, it you clearly got some some wonderful some wonderful 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 memories. I mean, and I believe, I mean, COVID, COVID permitting. I mean, there is there are glimmers of hope now. Thank goodness, after you know, a really yeah. difficult year for everybody. Have are there any kind of concrete plans? To, uh, are dates being set now? I noticed on, on the website there are there are, are some in June, but I would imagine they're going to have to be rejigged. Have you got yeah. anything relatively concrete for later in the year or in, into twenty twenty two?
1: Yes, there are things happening. Um, it's not, nothing's in concrete yet, but um, yeah, there there are some rescheduled shows, and um, yeah, there's definitely things that the things that are on the website now should be rescheduled rather than cancelled. So um, sure, yeah, or at least most of them, not necessarily all of them, but most of them, yeah. which is great because you know it's for for like there are some things that have gone well with you know with 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 the way government has supported you know things and some things have gone badly and one of the things that's gone yeah. badly is is supporting crew and supporting a lot of the small businesses that the music industry sort of depends on and so yeah. we need to get out there and play some shows and um you know get all that up and running again so i and yeah and you know what? i just can't wait because i've been sat at home for a lot a long time so You're
0: kind yeah, of it's, yeah, it's it, it it is i think that just brings us back again to the importance of having and escape in the absence of being able to do what what you do for a living and have done for a long time that's a big although you, you know, you've got your family and stuff and i know we can't go on for too much longer because you've got to ride and pick up um your kid from school but yeah. um it's like thank goodness for the bike you know that uh, you okay. imagine i mean not don't imagine that you know the bike wasn't invented but it's it's such a wonderful thing and and, and we're quite lucky in this country that Despite lockdown, we have been able at least to go out and ride locally. It's been a, yeah. a godsend, really, hasn't it? Just to keep yeah, us okay. in a in a good mental place. But no, I, I agree. I mean, the, it's over a year ago now when I did um, one of my cafe rides with Daniel Oss, We ended up at the 100 Club. Um, and that's one of the clubs. I mean, it's been there for numerous gigs. And there are so many small venues. And then it, they're looking at kind of closing permanently. Then, of course, like you said, there's all the kind of roadies, the techs, the people that work. Behind the scenes at at, um, at gigs that have basically got nothing. It's um, yeah. I just cannot wait till we get till we get moving again because there's so many people in the in in the arts in particular. I mean, it's across the board, but in you know the industry that that you work, you know, at the heart of, so many people have been massively affected, haven't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. My drum tech is at the moment he's volunteering as a marshal at his local COVID vaccination place, which is wow. uh, you know a great thing to do, and you know I'm very proud of him um doing that but you know it's not paying his rent
0: you know yeah it's um it's brutal that certainly is well it's just a couple a couple more questions before we wrap things up sure um it's been a really lovely a really lovely chat we'll have definitely have to go out on a ride when we're able to do so <laughs> and, and, and have another one um but through through lockdown um because it's been it's the genesis of our, of our podcast of, of Sigma Sports, Matt Stevens Unplugged. We did this because we couldn't make video content like we used to. Yes, and um, this is here to stay. I think we're really enjoying it. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, but what have you discovered something different through through lockdown, or have you just focused on things and able to spend spend more time with your family, or do things you already loved, or have you managed to find something different that you've kind of fallen in love with, or do you look at things in a different way through these this last kind of difficult eighteen months? Um, a, a lot of it is
1: discovering stuff again through my son. So, you know, yeah. we just, he, he asked for a skateboard. I mean, he's only four, but he asked for a skateboard. So he, uh, so, we, so I got on the skateboard and, uh, I, I got one from slam city skates, you know, in London and, yeah. you know, so it's proper and, you know, what? it's not bad. And I thought I am going to try and learn um, how to skateboard, which is a <laughs> terrible enough. idea because I'm Fair 45 enough. and I need my limbs. Yes. But, um but I've I've actually I can just about roll around on a skateboard now which I, I I never thought I would be able to do. So yeah that and I've been practicing my wheelies as well. Um so yeah. Okay. Not getting bad at, at wheelies on the mountain bike.
0: Wow, you're far better at the Well I can't skate. <laughs> I did use to skateboard a bit. I'm useless at that and I I'm all about rubber on the ground so I'm not very good at at wheelies. And and my one last my one last question. Yes. Um I've been cons- I've been watching a lot of telly listening to a lot of podcasts watching a lot of telly. Could uh, could you give us and the listeners one kind of recommendation? An a- an album you've been listening to a lot and also something you've been watching on TV. Uh like a mini series or something that you think is yeah that's amazing or documentary or something like that. Uh I a- an album um
1: I really love um American head by the flaming lips. Uh, their most recent record that okay. I mean, I've Listen always that. been a big flaming lips fan. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's, I think it's an absolutely brilliant record. Um, and, um, we just watched, um, the, uh, the King, I think it's called the King of Staten Island. Okay, um, and, uh, it's a, which is a movie. Um, but it's, um, it's, I don't know if you know Pete Davidson, who was on like the Saturday Night Live.
0: Um, I know the name. I know the name. Anyway, he's yeah. a,
1: a comedian. He's he's hilarious, but it's it sort of stars him, and it's a really beautiful movie.
0: So I highly recommend that. Thank you very much. Well, I shall definitely, um, I'll definitely start streaming the new Flame and LP because I'm a big fan myself. But not, not listened to that one, and uh, I shall check out the King of Staten Island as well. Well, um, Richard, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've had a, a real laugh. Thank you for bearing with. Our- uh, our tech issues um it's actually been quite funny to be perfectly honest with it i can't wait to listen to it back so i can actually listen to to niall's <laughs> rendition of the battle quiz because he really is going to town i mean I, I we i actually have booked that meeting for nine o'clock tomorrow with him but it's been <laughs> it, re- it, it really has been an an, abs- an absolute pleasure um well, thanks, Matt. And, and and actually while you still on Richard? what what's your what's your handle on twitter so people can follow you and stuff
1: Oh God! What is it? Yeah, I think it, honestly, I, one of the things I've, <laughs> I love one that of,
0: one of the things I've done recently
1: is I, I I've actually sort of backed off the Twitter a bit. Um, I
0: noticed that you had because I was but, like, "Oh, it's not." Yeah,
1: yeah, um, it's Richard underscore H. Um,
0: Richard underscore H.
1: But uh, but yeah, I, um, I, I I just you know, there's I just it wasn't good for my head. Um, just. I follow a lot of political stuff and, you know, oh, God, I'm with you, mate. it's just brutal. So it's just like, you know, what? I'm taking a step back and that's de- been, a, you know, deleted the app off my phone and, you know, I check in once in a while, but.
0: Fair yeah. enough. And what are you, I couldn't find you on, are you on Instagram being a I've got a private
1: Instagram. Ah, but, okay. Let's we'll um, leave that then. Yeah. That's just, the, the band has one and I think it's keen official, but, um, I, uh, yeah, I've got a private one. It, I just like sharing pictures of my... Most of it's pictures of my bike. <laughs> well, nothing Absolutely. wrong with that, mate. Nothing um, wrong with yeah. that. I'll, send, I'll, 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 I'll let you know what it is after.
0: Okay, and, and also, thank you very much the other day. Uh, and we, we need to wrap up by linking two podcasts beautifully, symbiotically even, together. Yes. Um, You sent me a lovely picture of one of your Yorkshire puddings covered in... Was it was it honey or was it... Or was it, no, golden, it was syrup? golden syrup. That's it, yeah, because we chatted about... Min Lizzie in the Lizzie Dalgam podcast last week, we talked about sweet and savoury uh, Yorkshire puddings, and you went off as a podcast listener and as somebody who's clearly, I don't know, you like breaking down barriers, um, clearly quite uh, brave. You went for it, didn't you? So you cooked a Yorkshire pudding and put golden syrup on it. Can you just describe what it, what the taste was like?
1: Full disclosure, my wife yep. actually cooked the Yorkshire puddings. Oh, sorry. She makes okay. very good uh, Yorkshire puddings. Um, it was great. It really works. It was a bit like Thank you. it reminded me of like a Bakewell tart or something, something that's got, you know, that sort of just got it, it just worked with that sweetness to it, but it still had a ni- nice sort of tenderness. Yeah, I loved it. I, I really oh, enjoyed it. So that, thanks what, for that tip.
0: No worries at all. And what a sweet way, sweet and savoury way to end the podcast. We should I think we're going to lift out that little description of your Yorkshire pudding um, experience and drop it in as a little bit of a trailer for the oh, podcast. Wonderful. But, uh, but Richard, no, thank you very much Thanks, indeed, mate. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Um, it's whizzed by. We've talked about a lot of stuff, but what a lovely way to... To, um, I know, two things colliding isn't always a good thing, is it? But the world of cycling and the world of music have collided rather beautifully uh, today. Oh, I hope
1: so. I hope there's some crossover interest out there. but Definitely a pleasure chatting.
0: I I think there will be, mate. And it's it's been a pleasure. And um, and let's hook up soon. But, uh, But for now, Richard, thanks very much indeed, mate. Take care.
1: Cheers, Matt.
0: Cheers. Well, another world famous musician has now joined the ranks of the podcast. I'm actually thinking maybe we should start a band Perry on guitar, Richard on drums. Now, we just need one other person to get into our Peloton Supergroup. Actually, get in touch using the easy to remember hashtag Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged Podcast Supergroup New Member Suggestions. Or to simplify, hashtag SSPM and <laughs> Thanks to Perry App Gwyneth as ever for the podcast theme tune and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe and rate the pod and why not recommend it to your cycling buddies or to Larry Mullins, physiotherapist. If you too happen to be on tour with the supergroup, you two. And finally, a massive thanks again to Richard for sharing his stories and experiences with us today. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Cheers all, stay safe and goodbye.